Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the Aqua Blue Lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, very stoked to have tonight's guest. It's been a couple months since the last time I saw him. I was uh, hooked up with his presence uh, from a mutual friend, uh, the mayor of Country Hockey, Mr. Yaniv Aronson. And um, they needed me to do an event for them. They needed the, uh, when I say them, I'm talking about the Bluebell Rotary Club. And the event was the Chefs of the Burbs. And this event turned into one of the greatest uh, online events ever in this local community. I think that it can be said that um, it is infamous now in the the ranks of our community. Um, when I was a kid, I never understood what Rotary was. I just saw these gears and I was always fascinated by the symbol on the road with my parents driving in the car. Like, what's that mean? Huh? And it wasn't until I guess I was 40 years old that I figured out how <laughs> to actually apply the aesthetic of being a true Rotarian. Um, and we're going to learn about it tonight. We're going to learn all about the Blue Wild Rotary Club. Um, with that being said, I mean, actually, you know, I, I, as I was doing the research tonight for this podcast, I forget the exact title given to him. But with that being said, Ronald Smith, ladies and gentlemen, you are the what is your title out there, sir? I have no title. I'm just a Rotarian now. <laughs> but so I tell had everybody, been a you former got the governor on your shirt our... right there. The gears are on your yeah. shirt. You could show everybody. Yeah. So tell everybody, like, what does it mean to be a Rotarian? What does it mean to be a Rotarian? It's a lifelong uh, career of service, volunteering. Uh, that's what it means to be a Rotarian and doing it in local and international communities changed my life. It gave my children opportunities uh, that I couldn't have imagined uh, through Rotary's Youth Exchange Program. Rotary's like an onion. You know, the more you peel it, <clears throat> the more you have. Okay. And so uh, I've been peeling the onion for 32 years as a Rotarian and still find joy in everything that our clubs do and anyone that we come in contact uh, as a club. But Rotary started as a professional networking organization 116 years ago. Not too long from now, it'll be its birthday, February 24th. <clears throat> and a, a young lawyer who moved to the big city called Chicago, Paul Harris, he decided that the town's too big and I don't know who to do business with and they're all a bunch of shysters. And I, I wanna create a network of people I trust. And if I get to know them, I can do business with them. So he met with an engineer, I'm an engineer myself. <clears throat> he met with a, a lawyer, I think an architect and I forget who the other person was. And they started meeting. They started meeting with the idea of they didn't know one another and they met at each other's businesses. So they went from their business to business each uh, week, maybe month, I forget how often they met then. After about a, two years of doing this, they had more and more people joining their network in Chicago. And they said, hey, we gotta stop meeting like this. Uh, we, we gotta do something other than just meet and do business with each other. Let's do something for the community. So there goes the world's first uh, uh, service organization, started out of a business networking group. And so when they came to charter themselves, they said, well, what should we call ourselves? And they said, well, I don't know. We rotate our meetings. 
why don't we just call ourselves Rotary? <laughs> and there hence comes the word Rotary. We rotate our meetings and we don't rotate them so much anymore. Uh, when you have 52 members, it's hard to go to 52 different businesses. <clears throat> so, uh, but Rotary International formed uh, in, I think, 1913 with a club in Canada and went on. And what Rotary International is, is a, uh, an association of Rotary clubs. So, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself, so, so you said 1913, right, Ron? Well, that's when it went international, but it started in 1905. So <clears throat> they, the Rotary Club was, you know, here in America during the the pandemic last time, 100 years ago. 1917. So that was their first gig, kind of. Their first really big gig well, was the pandemic Well, the first big well. gig for Rotary was World War I. Uh, we were, sure. Rot yeah. Rotary clubs were starting uh, in Europe. And they, I forget, London had one and uh, maybe France. And Rotary kind of had about five, six years of no growth because of World War I. So we were in existence during that first pandemic. <clears throat> I'm not sure that we were doing things quite the way we're doing them now, a hundred years or so later, but yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, World, World War One. I, I, I was studying um, world history in college and I was always fascinated with just like the sequence of events that, uh, you know, sparked that war. And it, it, like, did you study history at all? Because I knew you were a research professor. Uh, I, I love history, but I'm an engineer. Uh, I was kind of torn between being a lawyer or an engineer, you know. What's your <laughs> favorite lawyer them. movie? Because I just watched The Firm for the first time. <laughs> like the Firm I do ago. like. I like Grisham's books. So, so I, think the I never firm saw it before. One Grisham. No, it makes yeah, me miss Gene Hackman tremendously. <laughs> but um, I, I would say that, uh, you know, the... Uh, the way Rotary started and, and, and how World War One came to be, uh, I in fact touched I touched the origin of World War One personally because I sponsored a Rotary Youth Exchange student. In fact, Patty and I, my wife, we've hosted 38 of them. So a young man from Bosnia came to live with us uh, as a result of Rotary Youth Exchange. He's now lived with us for many years. He now has our grandson, and we call him our son. <clears throat> but I was in Sarajevo. And yeah, I remember there, seeing pictures of that on your Facebook. What, what yeah. was that experience like for everybody listening? Going to Sarajevo or hosting exchange students? <laughs> All of above. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the contact with World War I is the, 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 the uh, Princip, uh, the prince of uh, the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, was killed by a Serbian terrorist in Sarajevo. And that was a spark that lit World War I. So there's a little plaque on a wall that says this is where... Franz Joseph, uh, forget what his last name was. Ferdinand. Long, long name, Ferdinand, yeah. uh, the Austria-Hungarian uh, prince. Uh, it's also a band part. name, a band oh, band name. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but um, being hosting 38 exchange students, my children benefited tremendously, and then I do personally. We have we have a son, a son from Bosnia, grandchildren uh, that are multicultural. Uh, and as a result of being immersed in hosting 38 exchange students, you just can't help but being multicultural <clears throat> and, and the children and the children benefited from it tremendously. They've gotten to visit some of their host sisters and brothers in Spain and Brazil and such mm -hmm. like that. And my children wouldn't have had that experience in, in a lifetime if we hadn't hosted or I hadn't joined Rotary. So Rotary just has so many different uh, tentacles of doing different things in the world. But 
<clears throat> developing peace, understanding, and goodwill was, is one of Rotary's objectives. When you read the objects of Rotary, that's very core and fundamental to Rotary. So we actually, uh, in World War, in, after World War II, Rotary was still around. Uh, a lot of Rotarians ended up in London because they were part of the intelligentsia of Central Europe. And they ended up in London because they were either Jewish or didn't believe in the Nazis <laughs> or the Vichy regime in France, et cetera. So they were meeting in uh, London and uh, they actually, they met quite often. Um, they were, a lot of those people were invited to be charter members uh, of the first UN meeting in San Francisco. So Rotary helped charter the United, United Nations. We actually have a uh, observer status. There's only two organizations that have that. One is Rotary and the other is the International Red Cross. So Rotary has a big, at the seat at the table uh, at the United Nations because of our history in being engaged in peace and uh, goodwill and understanding amongst people. See, that's probably why I was so uh, drawn in when I worked with you. You know what I mean? Like when I heard those principles, I was like, wait a minute, that's kind of like what I believe. <laughs> it sounds very familiar. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it reminded me like of like a, like a, you know, there's obviously no chance of, you know, fiction becoming reality, but like a modern day twist on the man of steel, like a real Superman doing work for the kindness of humanity and, you know, trying to restore peace for the people, you know what I mean? And like, um, well, our, our observation is if everybody was a Rotarian, there would be no wars. There really would be no wars though. You know what I mean? Because it's like all about community and like the being, being able to, I really firmly believe that a lot of, um, I guess, the plight of uh, one's ascension comes down to them. People, they just don't want to see through other people's points of view. They don't want to see through other countries' points of view. What's it like to have other cultures? They're very secular with their thoughts mm -hmm. because of their own insecurities. You know what I mean? Like they're just scared to to experience things it's, it feels to me i just can't believe that you wouldn't want to go talk to a stranger you know what i mean like and find out everything about them you know what i mean and try to help them but we live in a world where that's not the case so it was very refreshing to come across the rotary club of bluebell yeah we're a special rotary group club but on the other hand all rotary clubs are special they're doing tell me about that though Ron. so like how, how does that work with rotary clubs so like does it like there's because I know Bluebell has one. Does Conshohocken mm -hmm. have one? That I, I don't know about. Conshohocken, Conshohocken, uh, White Marsh, Plymouth, Plymouth Township, White Marsh. They they combine the three townships, so they have two clubs. One's a, a breakfast club, and I think one's a, a lunch club. I'm trying to remember uh, which one Yanni belongs to, but Yanni belongs rotate? to the Conshohocken one. Oh, uh, no, they just have alternate meeting times because what what people begun to realize is, uh, hey, my club meets at 7.30 in the morning, but I have young people that have kids, they have to get off to school, so they can't mm -hmm. belong to my club because in the, we're a morning club. So clubs in the last 10 years have been getting much more flexible with how they meet, including Zoom. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's getting more uh, access to people's time. People are gonna put the time in. I mean, we Rotary Club used to have to meet every week. So for a hundred years, we met every week. <clears throat> About five years ago, Rotary in its char in its changing of its rules, allowed clubs to have a frequency that fits their uh, club. So there are some clubs that meet twice a month. There's some clubs that meet once a month. Um, <clears throat> I think the clubs that meet weekly uh, are a stronger 
fellowship club. But on the other hand, you know, attendance isn't as important as uh, engagement with the club. So we are much more, I mean, our club almost since its inception kind of ignored the attendance requirements and gave club members attendance uh, credits when they did something good uh, as a service project. Because if they can't make a meeting, but they help you dig holes on the weekend to plant trees at the park, why not give them a credit for a meeting? <clears throat> so really, I think our, you know, Bluebell's been a kind of the head of the curve. Now Rotary recognizes that there's many different ways people can meet. Uh, as long as they're having fellowship and through fellowship, they're serving their community. And that's another one of our objectives is to make sure that we promote fellowship amongst our members because you work beside people who you know. You do things together much better if you know them on a more personal basis. <clears throat> so, and, and then uh, Rotary Clubs had a very strong tenant uh, of having one or two of a particular vacation in a club for many years, we called it the classification system. When they first started it in Chicago, they didn't want the club to become a club of lawyers or doctors or uh, mining engineers. They wanted to make sure they had a diverse club. So they created this classification structure that said, hey, I can only have two engineers. In fact, the second engineer in the club has to come in at the permission of the first engineer. So this system has gone on, had gone on for many years. For each profession, that's how it goes? Uh, that's how it used to go. <laughs> and then they're dividing the classification. Okay, I'm a real estate person, but I'm in commercial real estate mm. or I'm in residential. So we've, we've divided those classifications. Um, and so what happened in 1917 is the Rotary Club of Chicago was so popular, the who's who, of, of Chicago belonged to Rotary. And so everybody wanted to join the Rotary Club. Well, the Rotary Club said, well, wait a minute, I already have two lawyers, uh, two doctors. So sorry. So what happened was an organization called the Lions was started in Chicago in 1917, because they saw that there was a big demand for professionals to be doing service. <clears throat> and so the Lions International <laughs> was started. <laughs> in Chicago as a kind of result of, of Rotary's very strict interpretation of the classification system. The classification system today is used as a way to make sure your club is diverse. We wanna make sure clubs today are diverse because what could a Rotary club do if they were all real estate agents or bankers? You need an engineer, you need a printer, you need a lawyer, you need a PR person. So it's nice to have diversity in a club because it makes it a more powerful club. And, you know, Rotary has been known as a white man's club for many years. In fact, we didn't allow women until 1987 when their Supreme Court said you have to admit women. And then in 1989, Rotary International adopted a rule that we could not exclude on the basis of uh, sex. I happened to be at a meeting in 19... 2010, Rotary every three years meets to change its rules. And I was very proud to be at a meeting where they added a new tenant that we could not deny membership on the basis of sexual orientation. Because there clubs, you know, were using this, well, you know, you're gay, you can't belong in Rotary. Okay. So we struggle with that. Uh, and I think we're just always adapting. And Rotarians always do the right thing. It might take a while because we are Rotary International. And when you change a rule, you're changing it, not just for the U.S., you're changing it for the world. So when you're looking at 
how uh, gays and lesbians might be looked at in Asia or uh, Japan or Africa, we have to have a consensus by all arbitrarians from all those parts of the world to change Rotary's rules. Once we again, it's like the modern day Justice League of America, Justice League of, yeah, <laughs> of Earth. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at all, like, um, it, 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 you know, it's it's kind of like a, a foreign thing here. I mean, where, you know, state and federal law don't match up in different places. One thing's legal here, one thing's not. But with the Rotarian Club, you're saying that the rules all around the globe are the same. Are the same. Uh, we, we have 35,000 Rotary Clubs in uh, 200 countries. So we're actually bigger than the UN when it comes to how many countries belong. Let me ask you a question. How old, I mean, like the travel part of it, you know, I mean, before like, um, you know, the restrictions of the pandemic, like, uh, mm -hmm. like could a Rotarian just travel across the world with fellowship and service? Yeah, uh, we were always encouraging our club members to visit. So you're always a welcome person at any club in the world. You might not quite understand the language of what's going on in the meeting, but they welcome you with open arms. They give you a, a little card that says you attended. We have a, a banner that we bring from our own home club and we bring it to their club. And they'll have a banner up that has all the clubs around the world that have visited their club. So it, even though it might sound a little corny, it also develops the connectivity that Rotary has amongst the Of course, members. yeah. I, I like that because it's like... Um you know something right off the bat about somebody without even like having to break the language barrier, really, you know, like, yeah. uh, I mean, well, I, I attend certain Rotary international conventions. We meet as a group uh, every year, although the last, this convention in Taiwan mm -hmm. that we're supposed to have in June is now going to be virtual again. Last year it was supposed to be in Hawaii. It was virtual, but you meet 25 to 30,000 Rotarians around the world every year. And you have speakers like, uh, um, Prime Minister Trudeau comes in and talks to him when we're in, up in Toronto. You have uh, you know, various uh, governmental and, and uh, showbiz. Dolly Parton came and talked about her uh, uh, projects in literacy. Uh, so we have uh, strong connections uh, politically and in the entertainment business. Um, we even have people like who walked on the moon that was a Rotarian, Neil Armstrong. Okay. Wow. And uh, Churchill was a Rotarian. So, I mean, we have very strong connections uh, uh, and it's that strong connection that makes Rotary able to make a huge difference in the world. I mean, we made a, a commitment to eradicate polio. What did we know 30 years ago that we could eradicate polio because there was a vaccine? Uh, and so we dedicated ourselves to eradicating polio 32 years ago as a result of a very successful project in the Philippines, <clears throat> a rotary project. And uh, well, we've been at it for 35 years. We've spent two and a half billion dollars on it. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have joined us along with the CDC, the World Health Organization and the uh, uh, UNICEF. And those organizations, we have only two countries left uh, with the polio virus. Polio virus has been around for 4,000 years. And now what do we got? We got the coronavirus. A rotary will play a strong role in, in making sure that the world gets vaccinated. Yeah, that was my next pivot form. question. Like, so, I mean, once, you know, COVID-19 hit us, you know, I mean, you guys didn't slow down. No. Rotary um, switched the Zoom meetings, 
you we have, our club has met on zoom since the since what uh, um, the governor said you couldn't get together uh, yeah. back in March. March, uh, I think it was and, 13th, right? Yes. Uh, well, I think for work, for work, uh, it was mm -hmm. for me, I think March 17th. That's when, I, that's when I told all my workers to go home. And then the next day I found out I was essential <laughs> as a business. I've been so fortunate and I, I'm, uh, I'm uh, very thankful for that. But um, a lot of our Rotarians uh, who are not affected directly through by their income, uh, we all decided that our club wanted to help some of the, the food issues, the food insecurity that was immediately. Uh, uh, so our club uh, put a challenge out that said, we have $2,500 in our bank account. For every dollar a member donates, we'll match the dollar. So within a week, we had $5,000 uh, available and we gave them away as um, gift certificates to uh, the Boys and Girls Club uh, of Wissahickon Valley. We gave it to the Interfaith Housing and we gave it to, uh, I'm trying to think of the other organization, but we gave those out um, because we wanted to help. And then since we've started up a lot of other uh, projects with mentoring, uh, we're starting a project with the seniors, uh, a buddy programs, our Rotarians are going to volunteer to be a buddy and call a senior who's alone that used to go to the senior centers they can't now <clears throat> so we're going to do that so rotary's there for the community working hard uh, a lot of rotarians uh, have struggled with raising money as a club which brings us to our fundraiser <laughs> uh so our club pivoted quite quickly when we said hey we can't do our fundraiser like we used to so <clears throat> yeah it's it's um it seems like the, the Rotary Club just doesn't slow down. It just keeps on trying to do new and better things to help people. Yeah, yeah our club like has actually gained membership uh, during the, a lot of clubs are shrinking because maybe they're too old and too white and too many men. <laughs> yeah. Our club, What's up our with club that? is, is it, quite diverse. I mean, like, you know, back in the day, you know, excluding sex from like these clubs and stuff like that, like, you know, yeah. it, it had to, to change. I, I can't even believe, to be honest with you, Ron, that these things exist in history sometimes, you know, it's like the, the women's suffrage mu movement. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I just can't believe that w people could be so, you know, cruel to each other. There, the world does need ro more Rotarians. Like there would be no war. There would be no, you know, duress. Well, I mean, white privilege, we use, we're being accused of it as white people. Uh, I think, I'm not saying white supremacy, but there is some of that in there too. <clears throat> We're fortunate to have white skin and we don't suffer some of the, the, the prejudices that our non-white uh, friends do. It's hard for us to understand when we even are called it. We're privileged because we're white. <clears throat> um, but Rotary Clubs, uh, we're very exclusive. Uh, and, and the men uh, back in, I'd say from, you know, the late 1900s to the, you know, 1980, <laughs> okay, they propagated, <laughs> that, they <laughs> propagated that uh, belief that, hey, men are superior, uh, white men have more money than non-white men, and so they could afford some of the things that Rotarians were asked to do. I'm not saying that was the general case, but, and then a lot of Rotary clubs were, meal clubs you know they they met for meals they did business with each other they donated some money to the community they had scholarships i mean i i had a scholarship from rotary when i went to college 
I didn't know what Rotary was either. <laughs> it wasn't until I was 35 and someone asked me to join Rotary and I kind of asked you the same question. What's Rotary? What do they do other than oh. give scholarships to high school students? <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, many clubs were check writing clubs, uh, but that's, cha that's changing. It's changing a lot. I mean, since we allowed women, <laughs> okay, uh, Rotary's changed. Uh, and I think just the, the whole internationalization uh, and, and some of the things Rotary has engaged in, like the eradication of polio, uh, have really put us on a different footing than we were probably in the 1940s and 50s. Truly right is now we still struggle with the image of being a white man's club and we only sit around and have dinners and write checks <clears throat> but rotary is much more well i mean you go to africa which i had a wonderful opportunity to do many times now we're doing some projects uh, with drexel university and jefferson university to protect women during childbirth and protect the child uh, so we're teaching uh, midwives how to deliver more safely and we're actually doing it through Zoom and internet now. <laughs> that was one of our objectives. So when I get over there and I look at the Rotarians in Africa, it's like, they're a different beast. You know, they're, they're just so engaged with the community. They're so well-known in the community. And you, you drive around Uganda and you just see all these projects that have Rotary did this. <clears throat> That's awesome. So it's kind of nice. I mean, in the U.S., we don't have such a, uh, a prestigious... Uh, I mean, one, we compete with a lot of other uh, organizations, you know, the, whether it's Kiwanis, whether it's um, uh, Lions Clubs. So, but I, I just don't know if the new generations really look to um, these kind of networking organizations the same way, or whether they feel that Rotary uh, has a place in their lives like it does in ours. It's convincing young people that having a, a group to do volunteer work is important. They think meet up is the way to do a volunteer service. Well, someone had to organize the meeting for the meetup to be successful. <clears throat> so I agree with uh, uh, your statement there. I mean, obviously in the news uh, in the last week was the, the Wall Street Bets Reddit crew mm -hmm, and everybody mm -hmm. that drove up the stock price of GameStop and bet against the hedge companies that they would have to then cover their bets, which is, it's kind of a headache to explain to people, but it is kind of crazy that the government was like, no, 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 you can't do that. You, we were going to protect the hedge fund money. I was curious, what, are you, what were your thoughts on that? Um, my son's a good stock investor. <laughs> he, he invested in Moderna back in January last year. So he's doing pretty good right now. And he, he, he looks, he has no understanding of how that happened. I can understand it. I mean, think about it. The organization that helped create it's called Robin Hood. Take from the rich to give to the poor, right? So the name fits what happened. <laughs> but then, but then Robin Hood shut it down and said, and no, Robin you Hood can't do it. got a little cold feet, but I, I heard maybe he's got some. <laughs> he's got some backing by some hedge funds. So yeah, it's crazy. Know. It's crazy so how it caught the world's attention, though. You know, a lot yeah. of people, you know, young people. So like what you were saying there, the touch back though, it's like the young people know how to meet up for a cause like that, or when somebody gets canceled and cancel culture to go after them, how do you get young people to go join an organization that's just basically going to make them feel better, 
not only about themselves, but their community, you know, and well, how important I, I it think is. what Rotary Clubs and any service organization struggles with is how to make themselves relevant and, and bring the value that that person is joining for. So the real question is, if you're um, 25 to 40, okay, uh, say 25 to 30, because that's when you begin to really form your, um, your community mindedness, I think, yeah. uh, is, um, you know, they, they need to see the benefit uh, very firsthand for them to, to join. And Rotary Clubs have struggled with that because there's a, there's a big disconnect when the average age of a Rotarian is 65 and you're talking to someone who's 30 uh, and, and to bridge that gap. I mean, Rotary has another group called Rotaract that has had for many years, 18 to 30 year olds who can't afford the due structure and maybe the expense. They couldn't meet every week at a, at a fancy country club or a nice restaurant. Uh, nowadays, meals are becoming less and less a part of Rotary meetings actually. But uh, the, the rotary meal is expensive in itself if you're a young person who has a young family and you're just starting a career. Uh, so we just have a hard time dragging them in because of the overhead uh, that they either can't afford and I, either financially or time. So uh, they just want to go out and plant a tree for the weekend and feel good. And so why not? So more and more Rotary is reaching out to those young people. Uh, some Rotary clubs have listed themselves up on Meetup so that, you know, a young person who wants to do something and feel good for the weekend and helping some homeless uh, or helping uh, a park can do that. But they'll see they'll, they'll see a Rotary Club project on Meetup. But a lot of Rotary clubs are kind of in the old times, don't have enough younger members who even know what Meetup is. And Meetup might be old now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't I think know what young uh, people get together now when they, when they want to go do something for the community. They don't. They don't get together no more. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. 41, so I think my market's like the 18 to 49 year olds or whatever. But I mean, people, you know, they just don't get together like your generation and my generation did. They just mm -hmm. they're not into it. They're into their phone and getting together on there and chat rooms or in TikTok videos and stuff like They're that. Listening but, to podcasts. Yeah, you know, podcasting in general, though, too, is it's like um, it's really not for everyone, really, because the long form of conversation doesn't appeal towards the people who have that really quick ADD. I got to get it in like five, seven seconds and I'm out, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a fine line between the two. I mean, how do you how do you reach them, you know, but um, well, I mean, hopefully somebody's I, listening. Can, I think you know, a Rotary Club to, to be successful needs to have. Uh very diverse uh, projects. I say set the set the table so it invites everybody in. So if a club is is dedicated to supporting a baseball field and that's all they do, and ninety five percent of the people in, in the community that would might join have no interest in baseball, how are they going to grow their club? So uh, I think and then young people uh, once they join they they should push their interests. Uh, and, and force the club to say, oh, hey, we've done this thing for 35 years. You're not going to change it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it's time um, to change. <laughs> so wait, you were uh, you were born in Massachusetts? That's yeah, where your accent born, comes from? Born where the witches were uh, hung. Salem, Massachusetts. How do you say uh, the city? Salem. Oh, on here it says Sagus on Facebook. Oh, Saugus. I, I was Saugus. brought up in Saugus. 
Okay. But I was born in Salem. They're they're adjacent to one another, but Saugus so is claimed to fame. Online thing about those witches. Those witches didn't. That didn't really happen, right? It's like story time. Like uh, no, which your that perception? really happened. They were burned at the stake. And uh, they have they have the plaques and they have a museum there. And there were, I mean, were they really witches? Probably not. But they were. Yeah, heretics. They, they were heretics. They were heretics. Yeah, maybe they believe. Maybe it was like QAnon, you know. <laughs> yeah, QAnon. <laughs> they had a conspiracy uh, back then, and uh, they got burned at the stake for it. Isn't it amazing how conspiracy um, conspiracies are just always around in our culture? You know, like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. what's the name of this? What's the name of the congresswoman right now who's uh, stirring up uh... Green, who just got stripped of her uh, chair. Her they voted the stripper of her. Um, uh, what do you call her seat? committee assi- committee assignments but not her actual no they um, can't take her seat away they can't, they can't take yeah no. but they stripped her of her committee stuff because she was like uh, oh th- she said 9-11 didn't happen and then she was like it did happen did she didn't she also say bigfoot was real <laughs> probably um uh, isn't he or is it a she you know it's funny i don't know why i was thinking of bigfoot today for some reason it's just like you know how like it's just always the the you know the stories out there you know uh he only exists in the north um northwest corridor of like our country but then i was looking at like other versions of the yeti around the world mm-hmm. like uh, hawaii has a yeti australia has their own version of a yeti i don't have the names in front of me here but i found it fascinating that there's still mm-hmm. just no proof <laughs> you yeah. know it's always we we got we like our legends so Oh, and, our conspira- I, and our conspiracies. Yeah. I, I, I like reading about them myself, but I don't fall like um, into the point of um, I, I don't become obsessed with them that I'm going to drive to the Capitol and then lose my life like going through a window, you know what I mean? Like because of some ideology that wasn't my own, like that's why I think well, the, Q and, the QAnon conspiracy has woven its way through uh, what was happening there, but it wasn't central to it. The whole like idea that there's people out there profiting um, off of the trafficking of you know adrenochrome and these other things. I mean, if it does exist, shame on that man. You know what I mean? Because it's just mm-hmm. too wild to even think that there could be such an evil like that in the world. And then these people are so driven to um, express themselves, you know, by protest that they want to tell everybody about this organization. It's it's crazy. Um, to me, the, the, since the last time I saw you, like, did you ever think that the political landscape would go the way it did? Well, I was thankful some of it did. <laughs> but to see, I mean, I was driving from New Hampshire to uh, Philadelphia in my van and didn't have any radio. And my son calls me up and says, do you see what's happening at the Capitol? I said, no. And anyway, expletive, expletive, expletive. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And so I had to like, check my phone to, to see what was happening you know so and it's like oh my god you know and then and to, to see what happened when we finally get back and, and watch that whole thing unravel and, and just so many failures of law enforcement and so many uh, failures of our leaders to stop things that should have been stopped so it's unfortunate i just couldn't so believe it i'm, I'm looking for it. the young generation to replace the current one so hurry up and get there you're you're, know, you're part right. of the next generation still I like uh, AOC. She did this like Instagram live uh, 
interview she was just talking to the camera about like her yeah. capital attack and um I'd like to see more politicians like that who are real and like revealing, well, you know. Some would say she's a communist and you know, I'm more of a centrist, so I'm not as far left as she is, <laughs> but I can certainly understand uh a lot of what she says. Uh but you know, I'd I'd rather see some moderation in all these things. So I've always been like I don't have a party. <laughs> Near to mine. I'm an independent. Uh, I'm kind of like I'm an independent, and you know, I, I I'm a I'm socially uh, what do you call it? Socially liberal and a little bit more fiscally conservative. Uh, okay, and we don't have a party. You know, we just have to live somewhere in between somehow. And I think a majority of our electorates that way. Uh, at least almost everybody in Rotary is that way. Everyone I ask, you know, it's like where do you stand? And and to be in Rotary, mm -hmm. in most cases, you you are generally. Uh, more progressive with social issues because that's what drives you to Rotary. It sounds also too it. to me that Rotary is like an alternative towards a political party. <laughs> like you, you're signing up for exactly what you know. Like the other thing too, which could be said about politics, is the shift in culture of like mm -hmm. different political like parties, like you know, flip flopping mm -hmm. always. And you're yeah. saying to me that the Rotary Club changes its rules every three what? Every three years we meet three as years. a legislative body uh, and look at our constitution and bylaws. And we take proposals from Rotary clubs around the world to change things. And uh, then we have a committee that looks at if that change would cost money or not. <laughs> and then we vote on them. You know, sometimes there's like 800 things to vote on. <laughs> so it takes a while to go through them all. I mean, when we had a vote about whether to uh, not limit um, uh, membership in Rotary based on sexual orientation. There was a very long discussion uh, with different perspectives from people uh, around the world that were, you know, gay men or pedophiles. <laughs> and it's like, what? Where'd that come from? <laughs> you know, and you hear that, and then you, then then there's a discussion from the other side, and it's managed uh, the the discussion by a moderator, and then we vote. Okay, yeah, and the vote was almost sixty-five percent in favor of uh, adding that to our constitution that we cannot discriminate against anyone who wants to be a member based upon sexual orientation. So that was momentous for Rotary because Rotary is a bit more of a conservative organization because of we're a we're a merger of many uh, cultures you know, around the world. Yeah, I was happy when we did the the Chefs of the Burbs event to work with great organizations that, uh, you know, were helping the community and then going out there, filming them, um, the Interfaith Housing. Um, what was the ones? Remind me, Ron. Um, there was the the uh, Second Alarmers who work, uh, the, the EMTs, uh, ambulances, uh, first responders here in the Wissahickon. Uh, and then um, there was the uh, Boys and Girls Club of Wissahickon Valley. So those are our three perennial ones because our club really wants to help youth. We want to help our community through good health. And we want to make sure that the, the women and families in our community are taken care of. And one of the best ways that we found over the years is to support the interfaith housing. And, and, and it's no... Uh, wonder we haven't picked that is because Rotary is an apolitical, as you pointed out, not political, non-religious organization. And we prohibit as best we can 
politics and religion from our decision making. You can't help it when there's some side discussion in meetings. Uh, and, and so when we pick an organization that's interfaith uh, for housing, you know, we're saying, look, you know, we're supporting all faiths. We're using all the different churches, synagogues, mosques uh, who can house these people in transitional housing uh, uh, in, in our area. And then they, those families have needs when they graduate from the transitional housing to even an apartment that's sponsored by the organization or through donations that come in. Yeah, you know, we donate baby carriages and food and, and lamps and couches. So when these women move their family, because generally it's women uh, uh, who are holding on to their families uh, through some crises, and uh, they end up uh, finding a new home and now they need to furnish it. So our club and a lot of Rotary Clubs uh, sponsor that particular one in general, the Ambler Rotary Club and North Penn Rotary Club and Springfield Flower Town. I like the idea of um, separation of church and state. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like the idea that religion uh, doesn't play a role in Rotary is appealing to me because I find a lot of times, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, you know, to base something that's going to affect a lot of people on your own spirituality. It, it doesn't apply to I them. I mean, I find Rotary, uh, when you really work at like, my family has it's it's my religion <laughs> i yeah, don't have I to i don't mm -hmm. have to i can be spiritual okay i can be humanitarian but i don't need the overhead uh and baggage <laughs> that comes with religion in general okay yeah <laughs> so. religion really does it carries a lot of baggage because it in my opinion it can lead to to brainwashing in some cases, you know, like uh, it's, it's scary because it's the exact opposite and really what spirituality means to me, you know, like a lot mm -hmm. of times it can turn people violent because they're protecting what they believe. Well, so I think much. some it's, of those were at the Capitol. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the, the thing that was so hard for me to wrap my head around speaking, you know, um, as an observation towards that type of uh, violent climate is like they were following this man's lead who when most of them were probably teenagers he didn't care about middle america he was building casinos in america putting out books dating you know celebrities you know what i mean like it wasn't even a glimmer in his eye but yet alone they believed that this person was the one that was leading them towards their salvation and continue like i saw a person in an f-250 truck today with the american flag and trump signs that still you know, I still see them like, out too. They're still hoping that uh, something's going to happen. <laughs> well, there's like this whole thing with the. There's another date. I think it's coming up uh, where these people. Think I thought it Trump was. Is, I thought it was January 31st. Well, that's come and gone. So now I don't know what the Nate next date is. But I you got to continue these some, conspiracy theories somehow. <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory that states that May 4th is like when. I don't have the article in front of me, but it's like basically. It's stating that the people who originally wrote the constitution will reclaim their government on this one particular date. And it's like a movement, I think on, you know, these online chat rooms, but who knows, you know what I mean? Well, some religions I, have those kind of dates too, so. <laughs> yeah, I just hope people get vaccinated, you know, like I can't understand like, cause if well, Rotary is right gonna now, play a large role in that in educating people about vaccines. I mean, look at the polio vaccine. I, I mean, I saw an I, article today, there was a town called uh, um, 
protection, protection uh, Kansas. And they were the first community uh, during the 1950s, 1958, I forget when, they were the first community that was 100% vaccinated against polio. Wow. Today, they have the least amount of vaccinations in the state of Kansas. It's like, you know, 60 years later, what's changed? They were proud to get all vaccinated against polio, but now because we've politicized the vaccination uh, and, the, and the virus, um, people are showing their uh, political beliefs uh, instead of looking at the science of what vaccination is. I know it's always got a bad rap because of the millennials who chalked it up towards poison in their bodies, but yet I'm healthy. Your son's a pediatrician and he'll go on and on about that whole group of anti-vaxxers. The anti-vaxxers. In fact, he he now refuses to take care of any children of parents who have not had their children vaccinated. Yeah, that's going to happen to a lot of people too. And I bet you when the, this virus hit for those anti-vaxxers, it was a very scary wake-up call, maybe for some, but... I don't know. I know a couple of them and it's like, hey, this is someone else's problem, not my problem. I'm okay if well, I get it. I'm, I'm young. I'm not 90. I'm not going to die yeah, from it. You know, I can't stand that mentality. Yeah. I'm young. It doesn't matter. I saw a guy today wearing no mask and I'm just like, oh, nice, nice, no mask. You know, I just can't understand. Like, it's easy as, you know... It's easy as driving your car, man. Just put on a mask, you know. Like it makes no sense that. What did he jump in his uh, in his pickup truck with the Trump sign on? (laughs) (laughs) He um, no, he didn't. But that it was two different separate occasions. But those guys in those trucks, though, man, they're so angry, you know. And it's Mm. it's I I get it. I I mean, I can understand how somebody can fall, um, you know, towards that level of you know. It happens all the time in history too. I mean, look at Genghis Khan. Look at like, you know, people who like conquered the world, like, you know, they did that because of their influence and their will, not because like they were good, you know, people, you know, and it's amazing to me though, that will, the power of somebody's charisma or personality, something can click. Well, I think, I think more of it was fear, but. <laughs> fear, yeah. Also too, there's a lot, like, the whole like debate that these people were, you know, around for a while and they were finally woken up. And they were woken up by a guy who used to be a billionaire who was bankrupt several times who, you know what I mean, built the Trump Taj Mahal. Um, he, gra- he, he, ha- he has grabbed onto a base that has its issues. It is true. <laughs> and that base is loyal because, you know, they, they don't have an alternative. And he, he promotes, supports the, all the things that they believe in. <clears throat> so. Not that he believes in him, but he just, I yeah. he believes in anything. But. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Nihilism, maybe. Um, I really appreciate you. Money. <laughs> yeah, money. Um, I appreciate you coming on and clarifying a lot of things for the audience member, members of the Bobcast here, the listeners. Um, if somebody's interested, you can check out the website. I'll provide the link down below. Uh, shout out to Yanni again. Thanks for uh, hooking yeah. me up with my new friend, Ron. Yeah, we're great friends. I, I wish you well in all your bobcasts and your future media career. I hear you're maybe picking up a few more uh, gigs. I appreciate the the hookup on that one. It's always been a pleasure uh, right, to uh, reciprocate. I appreciate the the goodwill. Um, with that being said, my name's Bob. My guest tonight's been Ronald Smith, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. Thank you. Enjoyed it.